0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. For the third time in his two-year imprisonment in Caesarea, the Apostle Paul is in a courtroom-like setting, making his defense before a magistrate of the Roman government. And on this occasion, he reveals that God has selected him to both be minister and witness of the very Christ in resurrection. These are not common or general words. These are words given to Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and convey much spiritual meaning and content. We look closely at this marvelous expression in today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. And with us once again to join in the fellowship and help us explore this marvelous portion of God's Word is Ron Kangas. Ron, I really love this message today, and I'm glad that you're here to help us enjoy it.
1: I share your love and appreciation for this portion of the Word and for the way... It's opened up through the life study ministry.
0: By now, Paul has given his story, his defense, to the Roman governor, Festus, and then to his replacement, Felix, and now to King Agrippa. In each telling, there's really nothing new of substance added, but more and more details are filled in, and they really serve to better enlighten us to the kind of person that Paul the Apostle was and just how God was working in this most gifted and useful servant. It also seems like these Romans somewhat enjoyed their times of conversation with Paul. They at times asked him to come and speak about spiritual things, even though sometimes in his speaking he would focus on their own condition and at times reveal and expose even their sin or immorality or corruption. This is an incredible dialogue going on in this passage, isn't
1: it? It is, and we admit we're somewhat offering our interpretation or a possible spiritual understanding of the dialogue. But as we will see, Paul was not only carrying out a work, fulfilling his ministry. He was a witness. He was a living testimony of the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ, who as the Spirit, was indwelling him and all the believers and moving through his body to propagate the resurrected Christ, to build up churches, the kingdom of God. And it's just a fact that these Roman officials had never met a person like this. In the circles in which they moved, they never met a God-man. They had interacted with religious persons, especially from Judaism, but here is a man who outwardly is not that uh, compelling or attracting, but he is a person whose being manifests the Christ who is living in him. And this is just bound to be, in many instances, engaging Even an immoral, ungodly, unbeliever, Roman politician, hoping to get money in exchange for listening to the apostle, even such a person would have to admit there's something delightful, charming, pleasant about this person. And there is something that's emitted from him, and that's really transmitted through him into those open to receive his testimony. I would personally believe something like this was going on because Paul, although he could not work outwardly, continued to be a living testimony of the resurrected Christ.
0: Ron, a verse that is critical to our study today is found in Acts 26. This is verse 16. I think it would be helpful if we read this to give our listeners a full background for our message today. This is Paul's account, again, of his conversion experience as he's speaking to King Agrippa. But rise up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, both of the things in which you have seen me and of the things in which I will appear to you. Tremendous. Let's join Witness Lee.
2: What could we see in chapter 26 concerning the great transfer? At the beginning of chapter 26, Paul vindicated himself that even before his conversion, he was a proper man and he lived a life that is a strict life of the Pharisees. He lived properly. Of course, in the eyes of God, it was not proper. But, humanly speaking, he lived a proper life with nothing that could be condemned. But he, all the time, believed in resurrection. Because, apart from the Sadducees, all the Jews believed in resurrection. And resurrection was very much taught in the Old Testament, especially in Daniel 12. For people's future, you must take care of this matter of resurrection. In the Bible, resurrection implies the coming judgment. And the coming judgment implies our eternal fortune. Whether we'll be happy eternity. Whether it will be suffering, eternity. It all depends upon the judgment. And the judgment is dependent upon resurrection. So Paul, even before his conversion, he believed in these as the Pharisees. And this thing has been developed quite clearly in John chapter five by the Lord Jesus. There she told us what is The resurrection of life. And what is the resurrection of condemnation? Paul believed this. Then, one point, he admitted that he was doing things contrary to the name of Jesus. That means he was attacking, not only opposing Jesus the Nazarene, but also he was attacking Jesus the Nazarene. When he was blind, he considered the Lord Jesus just a pure and poor Nazarene. He was attacking that. attacking to such an extent, he put a number of the saints into prison. And so forth, he confessed all his foolish doings. Then he told Agrippa that, well, he was on the way to chase Those Jesus callers, he got called. The Lord came to him, and there he received the commission. that The Lord commissioned him to uh, be a minister and a witness. Not only a minister, but also a witness. A minister is for the ministry, a witness for the testimony. Ministry is mainly related to the work, to what the minister does. Testimony is related to the person, to what the witness is. In Acts 1 8, the Lord told the early disciples that all have to be His witnesses. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea in Samaria, and even in the remotest part of the earth. Witnesses, the persons in all these trials through which Paul was going. He was not teaching. He was not ministering. He was all the time bearing a testimony. In front of the opposing Jews, he was a witness. In front of the commander of the Roman army, he was a witness. In front of Felix, the governor of Judea, he was a uh, witness. In front of Festus, the uh, succeeding governor, he was a witness. Now, right in the front of Agrippa, he was again a witness. He didn't say, Agrippa, I am a witness, you have to know. But he told Agrippa that the Lord met him and appointed him a minister and a witness.
0: Ron, of course, a striking element of the Lord's word here to Paul in verse 16 is that, as we read, he was appointed to be both a minister and a witness. I think it's not too much to repeat what we've just heard. So let me ask you the obvious question. What's the difference between a minister and a witness?
1: Well, the word minister clearly denotes a person, but the noun minister mainly points to the work, the activity of a servant of the Lord through which he ministers, that is, imparts Christ to others. In brief, minister is related to one's work. A witness. A witness is not working. A witness is a reliable person giving a first-hand testimony of what he has seen and heard. We see this throughout Acts. The apostles saying, we must bear witness of what we have seen and heard. So of the two, although are equally precious in their sphere, minister and witness, our emphasis here is on witness because it's intrinsically related to the person. The person not simply knows things. He has the direct experience, in this case, of the glorious resurrected Christ himself. This Christ appeared to Paul. This Christ was revealed to Paul in various things that were unveiled to him. So, although Paul was severely limited due to imprisonment and thus could not work or carry out ministry in the sense of activity, he was still living there as the same person, the person who was a wonderful witness in his person, not only his words, but his being, his person, his new creation constitution. He was a new creation in Christ, filled and saturated with Christ. This made him a witness whose bearing, whose manner of living, whose person, whose demeanor and, of course, his speaking, were a glorious testimony of the living Christ.
0: Ron, I'd like to ask a follow-up here. Going back to this verse, the last part of the phrase is a bit unusual, and I think we could use some help. It says that you would be a witness both of the things in which you have seen me and of the things in which I will appear to you. How did he become a witness of what he had not yet
1: seen? Well, I believe I can give a straightforward response to that. He wasn't bearing witness of something that was not yet personally revealed to him. The Lord was saying, you are a witness, you will bear testimony of the things in which I have already appeared to you. And in the future... I will appear to you in other things. I will reveal things, spiritual truths, principles, realities, practices, matters related to God's move. And in those things, I will be revealed. So the Lord is saying that not only would things matters. Points, truths, principles be unveiled to Paul. The Lord is saying that Christ Himself would be revealed to Paul in the unveiling of those things. This means there was no separation between the things and the Christ revealed in the things. The Lord, therefore, was indicating to Paul that you will see more of me. Remember that in chapter 22, he pointed out in a previous program, Ananias, representing the Lord, spoke to Paul, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the voice of his mouth. So the Lord appeared to Paul, the Lord saw him, the Lord heard him, things were revealed to him, and in those revealed things Christ was revealed, and Paul would then be a witness of those things as well, as a witness of what had previously been revealed to him, and the revelation of the Lord in those revealed things.
0: Ron, let's go back to Witness Lee, as this thought is going to be developed even further.
2: Both of the things in which you have seen me and the thing in which I will appear to you. Now, this last clause, in which I will appear to you actually is hard to explain. Paul simply means the Lord has appointed me a minister and a witness of the things he revealed to me and of the things he will reveal to me. Actually, this is what he meant. But he presented in a way not like I presented now. He presented in a way. In what way? A minister and a witness, both of the things in which you have seen me. <laughs> yes, the things are revealed to you. But in the things you see me. You see, Paul's word here was very, very careful. He didn't receive the things without seeing Christ. He received the things in which he saw Christ. Christ didn't reveal the thing to Paul. Without him as the content, Here you see a witness of the things in which you have seen me. In all the visions, what Paul saw was not the visions. What Paul saw was Christ. Then in all the coming things, in which I will appear to you. In all the visions... In all the revelations you will receive, I will appear to you. This means if you only see the visions, if you only see the revelations without seeing me, that's in vain. That's vanity. This is why today we don't agree people to study the Bible in a theological way. They only learn the theology. They don't see Christ. Even today, they have the divinity school. They learn to know the divinity, but not to see Christ. They learn to know the theology, but not in this allergy to see Christ.
0: Ron, there's a subtle distinction made at the end of the portion that we just heard, and I would like to pick it up because, though it's subtle, it is full of rich meaning. In Paul's careful word to Agrippa, he makes a distinction between being a witness of a vision or a doctrine one sees and of seeing the person of Christ. I think this point needs a deeper development. So help us out, if you would, on this very delicate point.
1: I would restate and reemphasize that in the book of Acts, the Lord is spreading his testimony and announcing the gospel of the kingdom, not through a group of professionally trained preachers, but of witnesses. The Lord said this in chapter 1, verse 8, you will be witnesses. Yes, there is the revelation or the vision that is the unveiling of a spiritual scene. And one may testify of what he saw and what he continues to see in that scene, in that vision. But, Beyond that, there is the testimony, not of a thing, not of a matter, not even of an objective truth alone, but of this wonderful person of the exalted Christ himself. Paul was a witness primarily of a person, a living person. That is why when he wrote to the Philippians, He could express to the believers in Philippi his aspiration that Christ would be magnified in his body, whether through life or through death. He mentions again and again things like Christ lives in me, Christ being formed in me, Christ making his home in me. For me to live as Christ. It's all about a person, not a doctrine, not a concept, not a mere teaching, certainly not a systematized theology, but the wonderful person of the resurrected and ascended Christ.
0: Ron, let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study today. Then you and I will still have some time for fellowship.
2: Christ revealed the thing to Saul on the way to Damascus. In those things, Saul saw Christ. And the Lord indicated that he would reveal more things to Saul, in which, in all the things, the Lord will appear to Saul. Then, eventually, what Saul will see will not be merely the things, but he will see the very one appearing in all the things. And today, when you say a new light, you receive. A new vision, a new revelation, you receive. You have to check in those light, those visions, those revelations, is Christ appearing to you? Have you seen Christ? Christ must appear in whatever you see. If you see vision without Christ, it means nothing. If you study the Bible and you pick up knowledge, yet without seeing Christ, there's nothing. That's vanity. We all have to learn this. I like these two words, in which, in which I will appear to you. You have seen me now on the way to Damascus. Then all the things I will reveal to you, in which I will appear to you. I will not only merely show you something, but in which I will appear to you.
0: Ron, the real focus of this message is that we would not just be ones who see something historically about Paul or how he was able to speak so eloquently in his defense before King Agrippa, but really the focus is our own experience. We have to ask ourselves what is it that we are qualified to be witnesses of? Have we just learned some things about Christ? Or have we, like the Apostle Paul, seen Christ in reality?
1: This is precisely the point, and here we need to make a fine distinction. We are not testifying about our experiences in and of themselves. We are testifying concerning the Christ who has become real to us through our genuine spiritual experiences of him.
0: Ron, I think something we all struggle with is keeping our Christian life from becoming automated in a sense. It's really the appearing of Christ that we've been talking about that makes our life vital and genuine. Really appreciate your fellowship today. And each time you've been able to join us in this life study of Acts, we're near the end now. But it's just been a marvelous, marvelous life study. We hope you're enjoying these messages as well. We invite you to contact us if you'd like to find out about how to receive the printed messages or find them online where you can read them free of charge. Our toll-free number is one eight 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 888 life study eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight, Or you can always send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening today.
1: Dear
2: Lord, we give ourselves to thee. Receive us into thy wise hands.
0: You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages. But to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety or download more audio programs like this one, all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.